From our studio in San Francisco's The Civic Kitchen, this is Salt and Spine. I like the appeal of baking because there was a formula to it and a precision to it that I really appreciated. And I think that was sort of what got me because I like being able to innovate, but I like being able to have a firm base that says, like, if you do it like this, you'll be successful and then you can innovate from there. Hi there, I'm Brian Hogan-Stewart, and you're listening to Salt and Spine, stories behind cookbooks, and you're tuning in today for the second of our baking week in 2019. And today's guests are Chris Taylor and Paul Arguin, authors of The New Pie. Now, by day, Chris and Paul are scientists, doctors at the CDC, but they have spent much of their time baking together. And in fact, the way they met was over a baked good uh, featured in a cookbook by a salt and spying guest, Rose Levy Barenbaum. We'll hear more about that story in today's episode. Together, they've won more than 600 awards at pie baking contests across the country, and that has led them to publishing their first cookbook, The New Pie. The Atlanta-based couple is known for both innovative flavors and innovative techniques on classic pie flavors. In today's show, we're going to talk with Chris and Paul about how they approach pie baking, the cookbook theme story of how they ended up together, and of course, all about those competitions. Plus, later in today's episode, Salt and Spine friend Kathy Barrow is back to talk about her latest cookbook, When Pies Fly. And of course, we feature recipes from both the new pie and When Pies Fly, so you can get baking at home. All of that today on this Baking Week episode of Salt and Spine. So let's head now to our studio inside the Civic Kitchen Cooking School in San Francisco, where Chris Taylor and Paul Arguin joined us to talk cookbooks. Hi, Chris. Hi, Paul. Thanks so much for joining us on Salt and Spine. Thank you. Thank you. We're so glad to have you um, to talk about your first cookbook, The New Pie. And I'm so I'm so glad you're here because I really wanted to get you in the studio and have this conversation when I heard how you two met, because obviously we're a show on cookbooks. (laughs) And I understand your first date um, over the phone actually revolved around a cookbook by someone we've had on the show, Rose Levy Berenbaum. That's correct. Can you tell us a little bit about how that book brought you together? Sure. Well, we were living apart. So, uh, I was, uh, uh, living in Atlanta. Chris was still in, um, uh, Pittsburgh and we were, uh, introduced remotely by a mutual friend. And so we started chatting on the phone. And when it seemed that we were hitting it off, one of the things we realized is we had, uh, both had fairly extensive cookbook collections. Okay. And we had one cookbook in common. <laughs> Which was the Cake Bible by Rose Levy Barenbaum. Right. Iconic book. Yeah. Yeah. So you decide to bake from it together yes. over the phone. Yeah. So Paul said, you know, let's pick something and we can bake together from it over the phone. And he put it on me to pick something. And I think... <laughs> I was hoping for something like, oh, let's do a pound cake. Let's do <laughs> right. some, something normal. Right. And he picks, of course. I picked the Scarlet Empress. <laughs> Which is, explain. <laughs> it is a, um, it's a, it's a type of Charlotte. So it's a, you make a jelly roll, um, fill it with, I made homemade raspberry preserves. You roll it up like a jelly roll, slice it into slices, um, line the inside of a bowl with those slices um, and then you make a Bavarian cream. Uh-huh. You pour that into the mold, covering up all the slices, let it set in the fridge, turn the whole thing upside down, uh, remove the bowl, and you end up with this, you know, semicircle, half sphere bomb of raspberry and sponge cake and Bavarian cream. And you're making this together over the phone. How how long are you on the phone making this? A few hours okay. yeah. is what yeah. it took. Yeah. So yeah, we we take breaks every now and again. Yeah, certainly when you know, things have to go into the fridge or yeah, you know, when the you know the mixer's whirring a little too loud. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. But uh, 
but yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. Um, and, and that, uh, sort of helped, helped seal it for us. Yeah. Yeah. So you both had cookbook collections already, as you noted, that was your one book in common, but cookbooks were already something you were both interested in. Yes. Correct. I, I was doing a lot more savory, um, cooking and baking. Okay. Uh, so my, my, uh, go-tos were always, you know, breads and, uh, you know, biscuits, cornbreads, things like that. Sure. And yeah. I was doing a lot of baking. I, I'd really fallen in love with, fallen in love with baking. And one of what I had been doing was, um, I'd made a New Year's resolution, um, for a couple years in a row to bake a new thing every week. Okay. So I was really, you know, finding something in these books, something I'd never had before and something I'd never made before or even eaten before. Um, and trying and, you know, getting the equipment, getting the ingredients and making it on my own. Sure. And I read that food was a part of both of your lives pretty early on, that you both were in the kitchen as kids, that you both had parents who sort of were wanting you and, and requiring you maybe to cook in some way. Yeah, certainly for me. I, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I had a, a single mom, and so she'd be working, and both my sister and I, when we were home, we'd start making dinner. So, yeah, we were, we were as soon as we could, you know, we were in the kitchen cooking. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you were both sort of exposed to food and cooking at an early age, but it was was it was never really something you thought about doing professionally. And actually, we'll come back to your your careers in yeah. a little bit, but it was something that you sort of did as a hobby for a while. Absolutely, yeah. it, was, it was something we enjoy. Well, certainly, if, if you enjoy eating, um, yeah, <laughs> which we do, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, it, it helps to know how to cook. And so, yeah, when you're suddenly in the mood for that special dish, yeah, you, yeah, it's a good idea to know how to do it. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I like yeah. the learning part of it, going through the books and learning about new ingredients or new techniques and sort of a you know, being able to make something from that, I thought was really neat. Cause you know, growing up, we, we had a lot of traditional American foods. And so, uh -huh. you know, some maybe odd things, but I think for the most part, pretty much a standard American diet. So, you know, doing a lot of baking outside of, you know, what we would do with, you know, box cake mixes or cookie recipes from the back of a bag it just was really appealing to me. Cause it's something I'd never experienced growing up. Right. Now you both went into science fields yes. into careers in science um paul you're you're a physician correct yeah and chris you're an you're a, i'm an epidemiologist epidemiologist yeah. yeah okay that's what i thought um and you both work for the cdc is that right uh up until recently up until recently. Um, so yeah i retired on april 1st congratulations thank you very much yeah so yeah i, I was there for 22 years okay yeah and did your interest in science and your careers in science contribute to sort of drawing you towards the baking side of the culinary world? I mean, it it's is a very scientific. Yeah, field. it has certainly colored our baking. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. So it, it is a scientific field, but I think that often um, puts people off to say mm -hmm. that, Oh, baking is so sciencey. Right. Um, basically we do the science for you. People shouldn't be afraid that they need to be scientists themselves in order to, uh, to, to, to produce some great baked goods. Sure. I like yeah. the appeal of baking because especially learning from like, you know, Rose Levy Berenbaum, you know, there was a formula to it and a precision to it that I really appreciated. And I think that was sort of what got me because I, I like being able to innovate, but I like being able to have a firm base that says like, if you do it like this, you'll be successful and then you can innovate from there. So right. I think that's what really drew me to a lot of it. Yeah. You like that structure. Yeah. And how did pie become the focus for the two of you? Well, we ba we bake a lot of things uh -huh. um, still to the, to this day. To this day, yeah. yeah. And we um, so we started doing the very first thing we um, we because we do some competitive baking, and so that the first contest we did was pie. Okay, and we branched mm -hmm. out into other competitions. So we do like state and local fairs, but we'll do cookies and cakes and candies and yeast breads and quick breads and pies. 
And then when we found the, the national uh, pie championship, so that was, um, again, a, a really fun, uh, contest, um, that after the first time we went, we re- we really enjoyed going to it. Uh-huh. And so, um, uh, we wanted to do very well at it. So we put a lot of focus and energy into, uh, developing, uh, uh new and better ways to make pie. Um, and that's, uh, sort of grown into this book. Yeah. Which we'll come back to, but I want to talk, I want to stay on this competitions yes, part. So, yes. so the first competition you ever entered was a, I believe it was a, like a small local competition, yes, right? Yeah, north, just, north of Atlanta, maybe? Yeah, just north of Atlanta, maybe about an hour north. Okay. And you'd been baking together as a hobby for a while at this point? Uh, a few years. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what, what prompted the decision to drive north and enter this contest? It's funny. We're not really, we don't really remember anymore. Okay. I had found the event online and I said, Oh, this seems like something. A fun thing to fun do on a weekend. Yeah. Sure. yeah. We hadn't made a lot of pies at that point. I probably had made less than 10 pies in my lifetime at that point. Oh, wow. Point. Okay. Um, so we just sort of did it, you know, as a lark going, oh, you know, let's try this and then we can stop off, you know, somewhere on the way home. There's some fun outlet shops up there and, uh-huh. you know, make a day of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we each entered a pie. Paul okay. entered the, they had two categories, sweet and savory. Uh-huh. So Paul entered a savory pie. It was a spicy uh, Caribbean beef pie. Right. Um, and I entered a, uh, I called it summer strawberry pie. Okay. In the sweet category. And I ended up winning first place in the sweet category. And how did that feel? It felt great. <laughs> yeah. You know, Cause it was completely unexpected. Um, right. it was, it was great and going, Oh, you know, I think we, this was a lot of fun. And so that's, you know, after that, then we were like, Oh, what, what other competitions are yes, there? And then we found a county fair and gave that a whirl. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And it kept growing. Yes. yes. Yeah. And now you're up to how many awards? 600 something? Over 600. Over now 600. Between us. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. I believe there was also a Paula Dean impersonator at this first contest. Is that right? Did it's, I read that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we still don't quite understand it. Um, because right. we, hey, it was one of those, you do a double take, a triple take. And say, like, well, why? Why? Why is she a Paula Dean right. impersonator? here helping officiate this pie contest and we weren't Um, sure because the first year i think um we were just kind of talking about it the way home going she seemed a lot like paula dean like do you think they hired her for the event or do you think she just comes that way Um, but then the second year there was like a photo published and she was in the photo and it said paula dean impersonator and i was like Okay, well, clearly this is her thing. Yeah, you know? I guess so. wonder if they're still using her. <laughs> I, I know. We wondered that, too. Yeah. Um, and I read you don't compete against each other anymore. Is that right? Did you ever oh, in never. any contests? Well, never have. But, so the only time we ever uh, really compete against each other is if we're lucky enough to have already won blue ribbons in our respective categories so that we're now going head to head for best in show. Okay. So that's, yeah. that's our only sort of, and, and we love that. Yeah. That, right. that, that's the kind of competition we'd love. But for the most part, we always stay in our own lanes. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. And you, who's savory, who's sweet? Paul's savory. You're, you're generally more of the savory. Yes. Uh huh. That's awesome. So leading us into the cookbook then, the new pie, I think I, you write in the book, actually, you thank Kim Severson in the New York Times for, you say starting this book adventure for us. So you're entering all these competitions, you're winning hundreds of awards for your pies. Mm -hmm. How does the cookbook come into the mix? So, um, in 2017, um, we entered the national pie championship as I think that was maybe our fifth year. Okay. And, um, and can you give us a little more context too? We mentioned just the national pie context, but what is that? What does that look like? Yeah. So it's, um, it's sponsored by a group, the American Pie Council. Okay. Um, for the last 15 years or so, it's been in Orlando, Florida. Okay. Um, usually in mid, late April. 
Um, there's several divisions. There's um, commercial pies that are entered. So like your grocery store chains, your Mrs. Field. Sure. Um, and then there's, um, I think, some independent bakeries also enter. And then the two divisions we're most familiar with, there's an amateur division and a professional division. Uh-huh. Um, and so you come down to Florida, you find a place to bake. We get like an Airbnb. Um, you bake your pies. Um, you, they're delivered first thing on a Saturday morning, and they're judged all day. And then there's, you know, fun throughout the day, some pie-based education, okay. some games, and an awards ceremony at, at, in the evening. Okay. It's, and how many pies are we talking here? Um, for us or total? Um, total. Like, you're, I mean, you're usually making, I think I read maybe 15 or so, Yeah, roughly. about 15 between us. Uh-huh. I think but to- how many are you competing against? Ooh, I want to say, I think an amateur and professional total between them is around 400. I'm not sure about wow. commercial. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a lot of commercial categories. Okay. Yeah. So you enter, you go again in 2017. Yes. And, and that's leading to the book. Yeah. So, um, and so we were in the amateur division and I had won a couple blue ribbons. Paul had won a couple blue ribbons. And then at the end, they announced, you know, the best of the blue ribbons, which was best in show. Uh-huh. And I won best of show that year for the peanut butter checkerboard pie. Okay. And congratulations. S- thank you. It's a stunning pie. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a great, it was a great pie. It's, it's a, I love peanut butter and chocolate. So yeah. It's just an incredible thing. And, um, so every year, um, the American Pie Council puts out a press release. I mean, it just so happened that that year they wrote about both of us, um, you know, cause we both bake. Uh-huh. And the press release was picked up by Kim Severson at the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And she did a piece on us. Um, and we were on the front page of the food section of the Times in July. And then after that, um, we, Got started getting calls. phone calls yeah. yeah yeah multiple phone calls yeah so we got uh initially from um uh publishers and then sure. from agents uh-huh. and so oh geez this is becoming a thing um right. yeah and 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 then it worked and so we ended up getting a publishing contract to write a cookbook and was a cookbook on your mind before that moment um i had I t- always loved cookbooks and it was something mm-hmm. that i think years ago i had thought Oh, it would be fun to do because I love cookbooks so much. It'd be great to write one, but it was really a fantasy. Really, I, uh-huh. I couldn't think of a way to make that real. Right? Yeah. yeah. And there was, and I think, I think at the time, you know, like years ago, maybe you had to be like a professional chef, and then it was sort of like the area of like the Food Network food stars were all getting books, and then it was sort of the area of social media. So it's sort of like you had to have like huge social media following to get a book. So it was sort of something that I kind of thought, ah, we're not really there you know yeah you know but we still like them but it so happened that you know our publisher who's great um you know saw something in us which we're forever grateful for and we were able to do the book yeah yeah that's awesome so i want to dive in a little bit to the book now um let's start with where every pie starts crust mm-hmm. um you borrow a quote in the book from jeffrey steingarten and in, in his book the man who ate everything um where he describes a perfect crust as being, I think it's seven things, right? Yeah. Flaky, airy, light, tender, crisp, well-browned, and good tasting. Talk a little bit more about your crust, and you have mm-hmm. variations, obviously, on crusts in the book, but mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about your crust recipes and how you sort of approach dough. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. have, we, our, our former guest, Kathy Barrow, um, calls it dophobia. A lot of people have dophobia. Yes, yes. right. Yeah, so I guess I'll start. We anchored the the pie uh, section with that quote, uh-huh. just because uh, people like to say, "Oh, yeah, how to make the perfect crust," and and I want to get 
first of all, people to agree on what is, what is the target you're aiming for? Uh-huh. Um, uh, some people, like, they think the perfect crust is, oh, that really chewy, rubbery, doughy thing like my <laughs> grandmother used to make. Sure. That's the perfect crust. And I think, well, no, that, that's, that's, uh, I will, I will not teach you how to make that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, you know, something rock hard and, you know, you know crumbly. Right. No. So, so that's, that's the goal that we want. And I think the problem that most people experience when they're trying to make crust is that, I think most instructions that are out there are too vague, imprecise, and sort of uh, using flowery language right. rather than some precise instructions on how to do it properly. Yeah, I, 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 I've said a couple of times, I think sometimes a lot of cookbook authors who try to teach pie dough have done a disservice. Obviously, okay. not every not every cookbook author, um, but there are some that, you know, talk about, you go, you know, you're, you add some unspecific amount of water, like between you know, three and eight tablespoons right. and, and mix it in until the dough starts to come together and it looks right. And you're yeah. thinking, well, I've never made pie dough before or I've never made it successfully. So I'm not the best judge of what looks right. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I've never worked with dough. I'm not great on figuring out, is this enough water? Is this too much water? I think people are scared into making it too dry because they don't want to make it too moist because then they think they're going to overwork it. Um, and so one of the things that we do to address that is, um, we try to instruct the reader to weigh their ingredients, especially mm-hmm. for the pie crust. Right. Um, and so we found that if you weigh your flour, cause, cause pie dough is simple. It's basically flat, fat flour and water. Mm-hmm. And so if you weigh your flour, you weigh your fat and you weigh your water, which is more precise than using it, you know, just in a measuring, a glass measuring cup, um, you will get a reliable formula for dough that can be repeatedly relied upon to make an excellent pie crust. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's going back to the science of baking, right? I mean, even to mention Kathy Barrow again, yeah. she and her her book actually has the exact number of pulses in her food processor to get the pie dough just as you want it. So there is yeah. sort of a difference in the way you approach recipes with that precision as compared to some of the older recipes, maybe, or other recipes that are sort of airy in that language. And it makes a world of difference. It yeah. really does. Because um, even if, if you measure your flour, if, if you're really packing in your flour into your mm-hmm. cup, and then you, you know, again, you, you, you're putting in a, a, some quantity of water that you don't really know. Right. I mean, the range of, of, of product you're going to end up with in the end can be from dry and crumbly to a soupy mess. Right. Yeah. Now, you put apple cider vinegar in some of your doughs. What's the secret of the, uh, What does that do? couple little things. Yeah, yeah. initially, um, well, for one, we found when we added it, it makes a better dough. Okay. Um, and so... And the question was why? What's it doing in there? Yeah. yeah. So we do add a little bit of baking powder, which is something we picked uh-huh. up from Rosalie Berenbaum. Mm-hmm. Um, that gives, adds a little bit of puff between those crispy layers, makes it seem a little airier. Um, and we found the vinegar might be interacting with that, um, even though baking powder is you know, has its own acid. So sure. maybe not necessarily. Um, initially we, we thought that maybe the vinegar, um, was inhibiting some gluten formation, but okay. I know others have said like, um, Kenji has said that actually gluten is formed in a slightly acidic environment. So it's probably not doing anything. It's probably not doing much to make it that acidic. And we also found in King Arthur flower has done, um, posts on this. So when you make pie dough with a little bit of vinegar and you don't use your pie dough right away, if you leave it in the fridge for maybe three days, if you don't have vinegar, sometimes your dough will start to turn a little gray. Okay. It doesn't affect its ability to, you know, become a great pie crust. It just gets a little bit of discolor. 
Right. Um, but if you add the vinegar, it prevents that color change. Yeah. And it does add a little flavor too. Yeah. It's yeah, a nice it's, little bit of tang. It's, it's very, it's only a teaspoon of apple cider vinegar, but right. it, it's just, it tastes a little better and I think it works a little better. We'll be right back with the second half of our conversation with Chris Taylor and Paul Arguin, authors of The New Pie. Recently, I joined Salt and Spine friend Kathy Barrow at the Civic Kitchen, where she was prepping to teach students a few recipes from her latest book, When Pies Fly, handmade pastries from strudels to stromboli, empanadas to knishes. We started by making a rough puff pastry, Kathy's homemade answer to puff pastry that is simple and loads better than store-bought. The trick lies with your stand mixer, which brings the dough together roughly before a series of book folds. So we're here in the kitchen at the Civic Kitchen now with Kathy Barrow, and we're going to make some rough puff pastry, is that right? Rough puff, that's right. Tell Mm -hmm. us how you you approach this recipe. Uh, Well, rough puff is, instead of beating a block of butter into flour, as you would with a classic uh, puff pastry, we're going to add the flour and the butter in cold cubes, some salt, and then cold water and lemon juice all to the mixer. All at once. All at once, and then we're going to let that go. Uh Now it's all together, but it's kind of wet and sloppy, and you can see the pieces of butter still in there. And we're going to put it on the counter with a lot of flour. Don't worry, because it will only take up so much, and when it stops taking up flour, you can brush it away. Do we want to see chunks of butter? We do want to see butter in there, just like with pie crust. You want to see little pieces of butter. Uh And so we'll take that book fold and turn it, add more flour if you need to, and then roll it out again to that same size and do another fold. And you're going to do that fold four times, and then you're going to chill it, and you're done. And that's it. That's it. That's puff pastry. Yes, and it goes from being this very messy, sloppy thing that you take out of the mixer, and in four turns, it becomes this beautiful, smooth dough. And puff pastry is just one of the doughs that make up all the handheld pies in Kathy's When Pies Fly. Now, the idea for a book all on hand pies sprung up as Kathy was working on her previous book, Pie Squared, which featured both sweet and savory slab pies. During Pie Squared, when I would look in my refrigerator and there'd be a little bit of dough, some filling left over that you know, I'd made too much, so there was a cup of filling. And I hate waste, and I was always looking for ways to feed us. And sure. so I would just make up little hand pies, little shapes, small galettes, whatever I could do to use up that excess. And it got me thinking about all the other ways that we can form pastry to surround filling. The title, When Pies Fly, builds on the punny nature of her past books. I was trying to find a a clever title, frankly, because I didn't think I wanted to follow up Pie Squared with something like The Book of Hand Pies. I wanted it to be fun. (laughs) But it also started to become clear that the words When Pies Fly could be interpreted in two different ways. And I was happy with that. One is that these are pies uh, that have a lot of international flavors. And so imagine your pies are flying around the world being inspired by all these international flavors and international forms, whether it's um, the empanada or a strudel or other kinds of pastries wrapped around filling, which is my new definition of pie. 
Right. You, you have this new definition of pie. I do. So uh, you just alluded to some of the forms that it can take. Mm-hmm. Um, but what really, uh, can anything be a pie then? I mean, anything with a filling and a and pastry, pastry shell. That's my feeling. Uh-huh. And uh, I, don't, I don't know why not. And even puff pastry, even yes. it doesn't have to be Filo. at all butter crust no. to be a pie. And I have 13 different crusts in this book, including a buttermilk-based crust that I use for fried pies. And okay. They, they smell just like a funnel cake at the carnival. Oh, They're delicious. great. Yeah. For Kathy, she's spent so much time on pies for her last two books that sometimes it's hard not to think about pies. But that informs her creative process, she told us. If you're a pie maker, everything starts to look like pie. So, you know, I'm out for dinner and I have something delicious and I think, hmm, this would make an interesting pie filling. And that's how I got to the Calbee short rib hand pie, for instance. I was out for dinner and I'm like, this is delicious. How can I get this into a pie? Yeah. Um, So that, and, and I learned how to make strudel with this book. And I had always imagined strudel that you needed a family of 30, you know, all sort of, you know, hefty German women who would stand around a massive table and stretch dough to like the size of Rhode Island. Right. And as it turns out, strudel is a home cook solution, often to repurposing leftovers and feeding more people. Right. And really, you're only stretching it to about the size of a kitchen towel. And this is not a hard thing to do. You can do it alone. Now back at the Civic Kitchen, we're prepping some rough puff pastry for a range of uses with Kathy. Three recipes in the book. The one that I just love is this stromboli that we're making here tonight. Yeah. It is a fantastic recipe. Tell me um, about it. What's in it? So you take your puff pastry and you roll it out to that same sort of 10 by 6 shape. And um, I'm going to paint the bottom with a mixture of tomato paste, grated garlic, and smashed anchovies. Oh, yum. Yum. Love anchovies. Yeah, and so you just smear that on the bottom. And then you layer cured Italian meats, provolone, roasted red pepper, artichoke hearts, olives, little mozzarella balls, a little bit of uh, oregano, some olive oil, a little bit of balsamic, and then you lattice the top, which is pretty easy. It's just strips that you put across. Paint it with an egg wash, sprinkle it with Parmesan cheese, and bake it for about an hour. It is, I call it like the big brother to a calzone. Sure. And Uh I've taken it to parties, and I'm not kidding when I say that I... If you like put it down on the table and you turn around to say hello to the host, when you turn around, it's gone. And then people chase me down at the whole party like, what is in that? That's amazing. And uh, that's been the result every single time I've made it. And for the sweet pastry, Kathy is making an adaptation of a recipe in Win Pies Fly, the fresh apricot breakfast pastries. Kathy has prepped some small squares of her rough puff pastry, and she's topping each with a dollop of a fruit mixture. I'm going to put a a tablespoon of a pear puree. Imagine an applesauce, but made with pears and a lot of cardamom. Yeah, and that's what you have going on the side. I do, yeah. It's looking really, it's almost done over here. Yes. It's uh, broken down. You can see it's a little bit chunky. I'm just smashing it with a mashed potato thing to get it nice and smooth. And then we made a pastry cream, which is also scented with cardamom and that will go on top of the pear puree and then on top of that is a streusel with a little nutmeg in it and oats and flour and butter and sugar brown sugar and so it's this great textural buttery crispy puff pastry 
the smooth and spicy pear puree, the creamy custard, and then that crunchy streusel. It's kind of fantastic. It sounds delicious. Yeah. For Kathy Barrow, the goal is combating dough phobia, that fear of pie making that many people can have. I have given up my dream of making everybody make their own dough. And I'm perfectly happy if you buy store-bought dough and put one of my lovely fillings inside it, because I feel that if you do that and you have success, then over time you're going to be saying, hmm, I wonder how much better this would be if I could make my own dough. Sure. So it's sort of like leading them to dough making. And her big secret to ridding home bakers of dough phobia? Her from scratch rough puff pastry. Puff pastry is uh, the way you win the holidays. I'm convinced of it. If you have puff pastry in the freezer, you're ready to go. Yeah. Homemade puff pastry Homemade. in the freezer. Every time you win the holidays. That's right. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's Kathy Barrow, author of When Pies Fly, baking from the Civic Kitchen in San Francisco. And now back to our conversation with Chris Taylor and Paul Arguin, authors of The New Pie. Now, where do you find inspiration for your pie recipes? I mean, I know in some of the head notes and things, we get a glimpse of how you find inspirations, like the toffee cream pie with crunch, for instance, I think you said was inspired by homemade Kit Kat bars and sort of emulating those flavors. But the creations, the pies in your books are just, I think, um, for people who haven't looked at the book yet, this is like, unlike any pie you've probably (laughs) ever had before, you have some of the classics, right? But you've got Thai iced tea with whipped cream ice cubes. You've got like a... Um, all-in-one Thanksgiving pumpkin pie with a pecan pie gravy, like these really, really inventive flavors. And we'll come back to how they present themselves <laughs> visually too. But where do you come up with the flavor concepts? Truly everywhere. I, uh-huh. mean, I mean, we spend a lot of time together and I, 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 I mean, we can list everywhere that we've ever been that we've, we've had pie ideas because it, it's happening constantly. Even while we've been here in uh, San Francisco walking around, we'll just stop and, and Chris will say, what about, yeah, and, and, and we'll just start riffing on this and we'll throw ideas back and forth. So it can be something as simple. We're having a cocktail before dinner and there'll be some unusual flavor that's in that cocktail. They'll say, we need to build, you know, a pie around, you know, Angostura bitters or, uh-huh. or just something like that. Um, and, and yeah, so constantly. And you capture all these ideas, you write them down somewhere and bring them back and start testing them. We've, yeah. got, we've got a gigantic lists of ongoing pie flavors and <laughs> combos of things that you know we want to try or, yeah. or 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 we'll write it down in multiple iterations. We can do that with you know peaches. We could do that with plums. We could do that with yeah. Right. Yeah. And in different ways to think about it, sometimes we'll have a little more extensive notes like, oh, this would be a good cream pie or this could be a fruit pie or or what if we added this to a nut pie? You know, just little things like that. We try to keep a, a running list just because it does come up. I have little notes all throughout my phone of things that I'll just write down. And then sometimes a couple months later, I'll be looking for something else and going, Oh, that was a great pie idea. I should have, I should add that to the, the big list now. Yeah. You know, yeah, but we'll, we'll, you know, in the farmer's market, when we'll see a new, a new piece of produce that we're not familiar with, uh-huh. yeah, we'll, we'll take home that unusual fruit and just like, what does this do? I've never, I've never worked with this before. It's, oh, it, it's actually quite tart. You know, it's quite firm. Oh, it, it falls to mush when you cook it. Who knew? Yeah. Right. right yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. New cocktails, you know, breakfast cereals. Candy yeah. bars, you know, just sort of anything that we see, you know, sort of becomes pie inspiration. Yeah. 
And I think for people who pick up the book will realize that because you have whole sections on cocktail focused pies and you use some alcohol in some of those as well. Sure. Mm-hmm. And there's, I loved the great little tip on buying the small bottles of alcohol. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. You, you, yeah. you know, need a little bit of Grand Marnier or something and you don't necessarily need the whole bottle. Get the little one ounce, right. two ounce. Bitsy, right. bitsy, teeny, we need little <laughs> bottles for martinis. Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes exactly. Yes. And now for pies too. <laughs> So, of course, the book is The New Pie, and the word new, I think, is really important. Although, I want to talk about the cover. So, it's a, an apple pie on the cover. Yeah. How'd you decide? And, and the technique for making the apple pie is, I think, new um, mm-hmm. for many people. You sous vide the apples. Correct. So, how'd you, one, decide that this would be the cover shot? Was that a, a tough decision, an easy decision? It's sort of a classic pie, right? It apple was a pie. tough decision, in fact. Yeah, because of all the unusual pies... Um, so we went through all the, the photography, which, you know, the, the photographer we had did such a great job. Yeah. And so we had tons of great potential choices that we could use. Um, and, uh, it wasn't our first thought. It was actually our publisher who suggested, I think you should do this one. It's a very traditional looking pie. And so our first thought was, gosh, why did it take the most traditional looking pie in the mm-hmm. book? And really it is. It, I think it's, it's a stunning looking pie. Yeah. Um, it, uh, I, I think it has a great, uh, curb appeal for people to look at it. But then also the fact that it's made with a, a new and modern technique, I think that's what sells it, uh, that you're able to make a much better apple pie uh, that solves a whole lot of the problems in traditional pie making by using sous vide. And do you use sous vide in other places other than the apple pie? Uh, in the book, certainly, yeah. yeah. So there's several fruit pies that make uh, use uh, the sous vide. I think there's uh, blueberry, the maple blueberry, uh, the shaker lemon, um, the uh, cranberry raspberry one. Chocolate covered cherry. Um, yes, the chocolate covered cherry. Uh, there's one of the, uh, the uh, plum affogato. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's a handful. A good it's... handful, but not all of them. So if, if you don't have a sous vide in it or it frightens you or something sure. like that. Yeah. There's certainly plenty of other methods that are, are, uh, for the other pies. Um, but it, it does several things for you. So it's not just a gimmick, a way to sort of, you know, make it a, a different way of making a pie. Um, but when you're able to cook the fruits to the exact temperature um, uh, where the pectin is going to set, uh-huh. um, you're not going to overcook the fruits. The fruits will have transformed from that raw to a cooked flavor, which is what you want, right. but you don't want them to fall apart. So if you uh, the, the, the fruit will still hold its structure, but it'll be softer that you can chew through it. Right. it so it really, and, and blueberries in particular, they're whole still. They're whole, they're spherical. They pop in your mouth, but they are not raw. They're cooked blueberries that hold their shape and have a nice chew. Um, the other thing it helps you do, in addition to um, um, uh, having the, the perfect fruit texture, um, you can manage your juices. Okay. So, um, sure. yeah. And so sometimes if you're making an apple pie, it's going to be a very juicy apple. Right. When it cooks, it'll, it has re- re- released a ton of juice. And if you didn't match that with your thickener properly, your, your pie is going to be soupy. Right. On the other hand, it could be a, a drier apple. Um, and now it's pasty. When you're cooking it sous vide, uh, with this apple method, it allows you to measure because once it comes out of the water bath, you measure how much juice came out of those apples and you can now thick it, thicken it absolutely perfectly. So now you have these perfectly cooked chunks of apples uh, inside the pie that's going to be surrounded by the absolute right amount of apple goo that's that's thickened perfectly. It's holding it all together. When you slice that pie, it will hold its shape. It's not going to slump over and be a mess all over your plate. It's going to be a standing up perfect wedge of pie um, that's not gummy. It's not gelatinous. Um, yeah, Yeah, it's fantastic. It's, it's, it is fantastic. It's such a fantastic application of the sous vide technique. Are, 
where did you get that idea? Did you see someone else doing that and say, I want to do that too with pies? Or did you no, make re- that connection on your it, own? It really was for the competitions. So, because okay. um, there's so many times that we'll have uh, spent a lot of time developing a recipe uh, for competition. Um, and then something might go wrong. Um, and now that's a year's worth of work that's just kind of, you know, down the tubes, right. uh, because the apples I bought in Florida weren't as juicy as the apples I had back in Atlanta or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I kept thinking, how can I control for some of these issues? Um, and that's where I started thinking about using sous vide. How do cause it's a, I was using it for other things. I was making eggs, I was making steaks. Um, and it was the, the, that precise technology. Um, and so then, yeah, I went back to our you know, cookbook library and started finding, you know, what I could learn about, you know, sort of, because we're not food scientists. So I wanted sure. to learn, you know, so I didn't know, you know, what the you know, gelling point of pectin was, but it's there in some references. Um, so I think in, you know, modernist cuisine is where I found that. Like, you okay. know, how, how hot do you have to cook your fruits to get them to that point? And um, so, yeah, so doing my homework, I, I, I picked up all these little uh, tidbits and then decided, let's just start trying to make pies this way. Yeah. You have this long list of pie ideas, right? That you're sort of always carrying around. Have, are there pies that you've tried that you just haven't been able to figure out how to get them to work? Yes. yes. Flavor combinations. Could you have any like at the top of your head? Yeah. Yes. The one that comes to mind is, is mine. I've been working on it for years, um, is an Arnold Palmer pie. It's oh, so, it's so okay. simple. Sounds delicious. Yeah. Yeah. But just getting, you know, a, a nice, a strong tea flavored substance right. that can stand up against any amount of lemon because lemon can be very overpowering if you do it with something like a curd. And so it's just, it just hasn't worked out. I've tried a couple times every now, I think maybe three or four years, I've gone back to it with different methods and different thoughts and just haven't gotten it to the point where I'm really happy with it yet. So yeah. that one's still on the list. Yeah, okay. You need to make a strong enough tea flavor to stand up to the lemon that it's, it's not, not bitter. Bitter, exactly. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I wish you good luck on that Thank adventure. <laughs> do do you both have a favorite pie in the book? I know it's hard to pick a favorite. There's yeah. so many good ones. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we, we do. I think we've come up with an answer because we, we've been asked this a lot. Okay. Yeah. And I think the one that keeps coming to mind is um, it's called Cheese Course. Uh-huh. So it's yeah. one of the last recipes in the cocktail chapter. So it's a walnut pecan uh, crumb crust and then a layer of uh, fig jam made with uh, port um, wine. Mm, right. And then it's topped with a creamy layer of mascarpone cheese that um, has some um, gorgonzola dolce blue cheese in it. Right. Um, and it's still, it's a dessert pie. Um, I think some people thinking like, oh, blue cheese. It's, it's got to be savory. But yeah. no, it's, it's a sweet dessert pie. Yeah. Um, you know, the flavors just all work so well together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's really good. It's It's really not like anything... Um, we'd ever made before. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds delicious. Um, we've talked about, we've mentioned Rose, obviously, mm-hmm. Rose Levy Berenbaum a number of times. Mm-hmm. We mentioned Kenji, you mentioned modernist cuisine. Are there books or particular cookbook authors that have really been influential to you sort of beyond those? Oh, yeah. Um, I have to say one of the very first baking book that I bought for myself, um, was, um, In the Sweet Kitchen by Regan Daly. Okay. Um, it was an IACP, um, best book of the year a few years ago. And that was really, that book sort of blew my mind because it's just so encyclopedic, you know. And so when I got it, I was just amazed what all can be done in baking. And there was, you know, so many different combinations and she had a raspberry pie and she made things with persimmon and this, I think it was really the first time I'd ever seen a recipe that called for like a bittersweet chocolate and so it was just I learned so much just from that and that really sparked my interest in in baking because that book was so comprehensive yeah yeah 
What do you think makes a great cookbook or a great baking book? Mm. I think several things. I think one, I think um, good photos. I think for baking, uh-huh. I think people really need to see the end product. I think that's really helpful. Um, I think nowadays you have to include weights in your measurement ingredients. Yeah. Um, that level of precision is so easily, I mean, you can get a kitchen scale now for $10. Right. Um, so I really think that's important. That's uh, the very first thing I look for. In fact, is that in any new baking book, how do they manage flour? And that's, so I want to know when you tell me a cup of flour, are you telling me a four ounce cup of flour, a five ounce cup of flour? And if you don't tell me, I really am nervous about cooking anything. Yeah. So you, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, weights are so important in baking, yeah. and we have Rose to thank for that, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. she really introduced that yeah. to U.S. cookbooks. Yeah. Are there any other books that are really interesting you at the moment? Any current books? Books you're watching? Or you authors? Mean non-cooking books? Oh, cook- <laughs> cooking books, yeah. Or, or any books, yeah. We'll take any book recommendations, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are we reading? I'm trying to think, because we do buy a fair number of cookbooks. Um, I saw Dominique Ansel's coming out with another yeah, one. I'm uh-huh. excited about that. Yeah, his first one was really good too. I thought uh, Sister Pie was, yeah. was a good read. Yeah, um, she has some fun stuff. I thought it was interesting that when we got her book, she has a beet pie. Okay, and, and we also have a beet pie uh-huh. in our book. And I thought yes. I think this is great. We can live in a world with two books that have beet dessert pies right. that are made completely differently. Yeah. Right. Um, so I just thought that was really cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you entered your first competition. Eight years ago, I think. Yeah, 2011, yeah. 2011. You'd baked, you said, maybe 10 pies. Mm-hmm. How many pies do you think you've baked at this point? I can't even estimate. Yeah. yeah I, definitely hundreds. Hundreds. If not, yeah. I mean, between us, maybe over a thousand. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Over a thousand. I mean, there's 75 I, I, in this book, and I know right. we've baked those several times. Right. Tons, yeah. Tons, yeah. Well, let's put it to the test. So we always end with a little game. You've okay. baked... Maybe a thousand pies between the two of you. So we have our little secret ingredient cards here. I didn't shuffle them actually. So feel free to draw from wherever within the stacks, but I want to see if we can put you to the test to see if you can make a pie based on whatever ingredients you draw. Some of them, of course, are savory, some not. There's four stacks here. We have vegetables, proteins, flavors, which are sort of um, spices and things like that. And then secret ingredients, which are just totally wild cards. Okay. So. You can work together, put your, okay. put your minds together, draw as many or as few as you want, and, and maybe we'll do a couple rounds. Okay. Um, so we'll, let's start with the first round, draw whatever appeals to you, and let's see if we can come up with a, a pie that plays on those flavors. Oh dear. Oh, oregano. I think actually a lemon oregano pie would be good. Um, sort of like maybe a little bit of, a little bit of Greek character to it. Um, I think you could, cause you could do it with lemon thyme. I don't see why you couldn't do it with lemon oregano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'm thinking of is maybe like a chess pie, the lemon oregano chess pie. That's not bad. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. We'll take it. How about another one? All right. Let's try secret ingredient. Pickle. Oh, a pickle pie. Ooh, there boy. actually is, I think there is a bakery that makes a dill pickle pie. I think it's actually a sweet really? pie. Yeah. I, I love just saw pickles. a news article about it the other day. Okay. Yeah. It can, it can be done, I guess. I, I don't know. There's a, there's not a lot you could pair with it. Yeah. Well, I guess I'd start with maybe a custard because I guess, uh, the, 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 if you're doing something vinegary, you can um, help set your eggs, I guess. So you can, if you're doing a custard base with the pickles. Yeah. Um, using like the pickle juice, maybe? Sure. Okay. Yeah. And maybe so, lime juice, like a like, sort of like a key lime pie, but maybe with some pickle juice and some lime juice to set the eggs in the condensed milk. Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a tricky one for a pie. I, I'm not sure that yeah. would make me happy. Yeah. Yeah. You're not a, you're not a pickle person. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, let's do another one. Let's draw two this time. Let's okay. see if we can take two flavors and combine them into a pie. We're going to get it more challenging here. Uh, Want to grab a vegetable? Sure. All right. The vegetable, we have cauliflower. Oh, come oh, on. Cauliflower, um, okay. And paprika. Okay. All right, oh. a cauliflower paprika pie. <laughs> I guess cauliflower is kind of neutral. Okay. Mm-hmm. True. All right. Yeah. yeah. So, again, I, I guess I would start by um, trying to research the properties of cauliflower. Um, I, I think if, if I were to maybe... Um, puree it and remove a lot of liquid i could try and use it you know like a a pectin thickener okay i don't know how about that yeah i think i think this might be better as a savory pie rather than a sweet pie yeah well um i mean it's true cauliflower is neutral cauliflower being neutral i I, then i'd say another strong flavor we'd have to add a third flavor um uh, that would uh, potentially oh you're gonna draw a flavor (laughs) no basil but then i don't know if that gets us yeah (laughs) maybe let's add a protein (laughs) yeah if we're going if we're going savory let's see what we get here shrimp shrimp this is shaping up to be one of paul's favorite pies (laughs) (laughs) all of paul's favorites have come out to play all right i'll run screaming yes (laughs) can we do it though I what think do you it think? Could, I, I think it could do be it. done. You, you, just, you just might pass. You might yeah. not want to eat it. Oh, I guess so. Now, okay. Now we're going to make it. So we're in savory territory. Yeah. This is going to be. Um, I'm thinking maybe something like a modified curry, like cauliflower, shrimp, paprika, maybe some curry powder, okay. some of those deep spice notes. Um, All right, like a, a curried shrimp uh, quiche kind of type thing. Of pie. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Why not? It might take a couple passes to really get it there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, should we do one more? Final sure. final round. Yeah. Sky's the limit. Let's see. Okay. Wanna do all right, I'll I'll do secret ingredient. Ooh, kumquat. Oh, okay. Nice. Oh yes. There easy. we go. Yeah. And what vegetable? Sure. Yeah. Oh, and bell pepper. All right. Kumquat and bell pepper pie. That's not bad. Yeah, so so uh, I'd take the red bell peppers. Um uh I'd like the kumquat to to, to dominate though. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So um But I think that that grassiness of the pepper with the kumquat i think could work well yeah yeah, yeah so definitely the whole kumquat so you get the 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 bitter um edge mm-hmm. um from the 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 rind um yeah yes. we've, we've made some kumquat pies before that are pretty good yeah i, I think that could they, work are they usually custard pies yeah 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 and in fact you can sous vide the kumquats okay yes. 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 yeah 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 I think we might need one more flavor to to finish those off but i think i think that could work with the, with the, the pepper and the kumquat yeah not sure of what what flavor would really round that out. Kumquat, bell pepper. I wouldn't say acid because you're getting that from the kumquat. Uh huh. Yeah. Maybe a berry, something to match, or maybe a spice, but I'm not sure what. Almonds. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because almond and a little bit of the orangey kumquat that would go together. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like a DiSerrano alcohol. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, this was great. Paul, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Thank Thank you. you. It's been a lot of fun. Yes. Let's head now to Omnivore Books in San Francisco to chat with Celia Sack. Hi, Celia. How are you? Hi, Brian. I'm fine. Great. We just had Chris and Paul on to talk about the wonderful pie duo to talk about their new their new book, their first book, The New Pie. Excellent. And I'm hoping you have something to share with oh, us. Oh god, I love them. They were yes, sweet so as fun. their as their pie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um I'm trying to remember. I think they they started out by winning a really huge pie contest, yes. right? Well, and I love their backstory actually. Did you hear their backstory? Remind me. So they met online or they met through mutual friends actually, and their first date was over the 
the phone and they decided they both owned cookbooks and they were going to pick a book that they both owned and bake through it together. And the oh only one they shared was that. a Rose Levy Berenbaum book. And so they made, I forget the recipe, but it's an elaborate Those recipe. Are huge. Yes. And they spent, they're like, we spent like 14 hours on the phone with each other <laughs> for our first phone date. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's how their relationship began. That's really it was funny. over a Rose recipe. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have great chemistry and it's turned this into a wonderful book. Yes. Um, one of the things that they were saying is, you know, some of the recipes may look complex mm-hmm. uh, or complicated to make, but if you follow them all the way through, they really, really work. And that's yeah. the mark of an excellent baking book. And Rose Levy Bearman is one of those people that actually is always trustworthy like yeah. that. So it's really important for them to to work well. And a perfect example is their pie crust. Mm-hmm. They talked a lot about how important that is to make it just right. And they have a very exacting recipe for it. And right. while a lot of people are very afraid of pie crust, they try to they they don't try to say it's simple, but sure. they do try to make it as direct as possible. So you just follow along mm-hmm. and you will get it. Yes. Um and while there's a beautiful picture of apple pie on the cover, there are really unusual pies within, like yeah. pie of the tiger. I love some of the names. I know they're great. Yes. <laughs> Which is this sort of striped uh chocolate and espresso cake uh-huh. pie that looks absolutely amazing. Um, there are, yeah, all these sort of, there's a whole section of new fruit pies, craspberry, um, spiced apple cider, yeah. guava berry, apple, maple, blueberry, just combinations that you never thought about. Um, oh, shaking up shaker lemon pie, right? Italian plum affogato. So it's really, really fun because they're, these are just, they really are new pies. They're pies you've never right. thought to make before. Yeah. Really inventive. And there's lots of books on pie, obviously. Yeah. Um, but they really bring a scientific approach to it too, which I think is so interesting right they sous vide some of their fruit yeah, like some of these yeah. cooking techniques that aren't often applied to pies in that's particular right. they really employ and i think that's really interesting in yeah some of definitely too. it's you know it can put off some people but people who are really into making pie this is such a fun book to experiment with yeah absolutely well thank you so much celia absolutely and that's our show for today thank you so much for listening as always you can find bonus content and recipes from all of our episodes on salt and spine There, you'll find two recipes from the new pie, the apple and Aunt Melba's peach. Plus, you'll find two recipes from When Pies Fly, the antipasto stromboli and the fresh apricot breakfast pastries. Remember, if you like hearing from your favorite authors on Salt and Spine, and I hope you do, please click subscribe wherever you're listening. And of course, you can join the Salt and Spine community and support our show at patreon.com backslash salt and spine. Salt and Spine is proud to have storytelling partners like Edible San Francisco. In the current issue, hear from three women, Lenora Estrada of Three Babes Bake Shop, Janelle St. John of Piatisserie, and Elizabeth Simon of Revenge Pies, on how they're speaking out on behalf of women and minority-owned businesses, building up their operations and paying it forward to their communities. You can subscribe now to ensure you don't miss any compelling stories on how San Francisco eats at edibleSanFrancisco.com. Our show today was produced by me, Brian Hogan-Stewart, and our kitchen correspondent is Sarah Varney. The Salt and Spine original theme song was created by Brunch for Lunch. Salt and Spine is recorded at the Civic Kitchen in San Francisco's Mission District. The Civic Kitchen offers hands-on classes and events for home cooks. You can find out more at civickitchensf.com. Thanks, as always, to Jen Nurse, Chris Bonomo, and the Civic Kitchen team, to Edible San Francisco, and to Celia Sack at Omnivore Books. We'll be back tomorrow with another story behind the baking books you love. 
Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey, happy listener. I'm Yardley. And I'm Dan. And I'm Dave. And we are the hosts of the true crime podcast, Small Town Dicks. On our podcast, detectives from small towns all around the world give us their firsthand accounts of the memorable crimes they investigated in their small town. The new season of Small Town Dicks is out now. But if you're new to the podcast and you want to start at the beginning, we have over 125 episodes for you to binge. So please join us for an original take on true crime. Small Town Dicks, available wherever you like to listen. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.